0: You know, these days, obviously, our minds are consumed much with the election coming on Tuesday, no doubt. Uh, if you love your country, and I think that um, certainly that's true of those of us here and those that are listening at home, then I think that um, certainly we uh, we pray and um, for our country, knowing our country's in a mess. Uh, but I was thinking about, I got a verse, Brother Dwayne, that God gave me as I was listening to that song. And so if you got your Bibles, open up to Psalm 112. This is not part of the message today. This is for free. Okay, so, uh, but um, this is just has to do with the, the, Psalm 112 is a psalm about, it says at the very first verse, it says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. So this is a psalm about the man that feareth the Lord. And there's many great things about him in this psalm, but I want to go to the last verse. Because one of the things about the man that fears the Lord is that he is the frustration of the wicked. Look what it says in verse 10. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. I would encourage you to think and pray on that verse right there this week. And wouldn't it be great if if uh, American Christians showed up at the polls and voted for President Donald J. Trump and that the wicked were frustrated again as they were four years ago. I pray that God would have another reprieve on us and have mercy on us and protect us from those that seek to destroy our land. We'll talk more about that maybe at the end. Let's turn to uh, Proverbs chapter twenty-seven. This will be our text for the uh, sermon this morning. Proverbs chapter twenty-seven. We'll start with verse twenty-three and read through the end of the of the chapter. And this is an unusual passage in the book of Proverbs uh, for this sense that it, it has context. So, normally a verse uh, a lot of times in Proverbs is just a standalone verse, but, but these go together, and you'll see why as we read through these. So, verse 23 it says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountain are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, and for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. Let's pray one more time. My Father, Lord, what a privilege it is to stand this morning, Lord, in in this place, Lord, in the place of my pastor. I pray God again for him. You'd strengthen his body and his mind and, and especially encourage his family and their soul and their spirit, Lord, during these days. And Father, I pray you'd give me exactly the words that you want me to say today. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. May he be in charge today, Lord, and may nothing be said that would grieve him in any way. And we'll give you the glory and honor for it, in Christ's name, amen. So, knowing the state of thy flock, you know, there there's some things that are implied here in these verses that we, we should at least mention, and that is, number one, that there, it is obvious that um, as Christians that we should have a work, a work to do, right? Amen, we got a work to do on many fronts, but we certainly should not be idle Or should we be uh, amused? Y'all know what, uh, y'all have heard of amusement parks, right, young people? Right? Young people are fans of amusement parks. I don't know about me and Brother Dick. I don't know if we're fans anymore of amusement parks. But uh, what does amuse mean? Muse means to think. And A means not. So amusement means not thinking. That's not a good thing to do, Brother Daniel, okay? We are supposed to, we're challenged to not only study to show ourselves approved, but we're supposed to submit every thought to the captivity of Christ, and we're supposed to think on certain things. God expects us uh, to be busy about some type of work. Now, if you're a young person in here today or listening at home, your work might be right now, Uh, submitting yourself to your parents and obeying them and studying and and, uh, acquiring an education. It might be that you've got chores and things to do around the house, but you've got a work to do. Uh, And then, of course, as we get older, a lot of times that uh, seems to consume even more of our our time and our energy and, uh, and our thoughts is the work that God has for us. So my question today for you is, first of all, how is your flock? And if we say a flock here, uh, or as it says in the second part of that, look well to thy herds. Around our house, we're a little bit more familiar with herds than we are flocks. But, uh, but I'll promise you that, that these guys that Solomon was writing to here, they understood exactly what he was talking about. He was talking to them about their very livelihood. Their existence, their assets, the things that they have that they were depending upon. And so, once we get the correct interpretation of these verses, as we'll go through that first, then there are many applications that can be made, and we'll do some of those uh, here as we progress in in this lesson. So, my question then, I guess, is uh, not only how is your flock, uh, but... How are your assets? What are they and how are they? And uh, look what it says we're to do about those. We're to be diligent to know them. Now I looked up, I I taught on this word a little bit um, uh, from Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, which I'll read to you quickly here, just briefly uh, a while back. But it says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want, so there are thoughts of the diligent, and so it says here in this this proverb that we are to uh, be diligent to know, and actually those two words in the Hebrew language are the same, and I don't I don't read Hebrew, uh, but I can read the, the the dictionary. I'm sure I don't pronounce it correctly, but they both are yada yada. How about that? That's interesting, isn't it? Yada yada. But the, but the Hebrew would have understood that that meant that those words would have that context would give them deeper meaning. And so our King James Bible here translates these that be diligent to know. And diligent requires that, it, it means that there's going to be some time spent, some energy and some work in order to know the state of thy flock. That word diligent, I looked it up in Webster and he said that it means steady. It means to plan and to look ahead. It also means that it, 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 it implies energy or being energetic. And even said that it's painstaking. You know, not everything that we do or that we need to do is enjoyable. And sometimes there's a myth that, you know, we have to find a work that we just really love. Well, good luck with that. You know, it's not always that you get to love everything you do, and certainly you might love certain parts of it, but there's going to be things in in work or in life that are just work. That's why they call it work, faith. Okay, so um, this is the case here. So it may be painstaking, but it says that we're not only to be diligent, but then in the second it says we are to look well. Not just look, but to look well to our herd. So let's... Let's put this in context with the rest of these verses here and look at verse 24 with me. It says, For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation? How true is that statement? Have you thought about even some of the, uh, the, the founding fathers of our country and some of uh, our industrial leaders uh, of generations uh, just a few generations ago that you don't hear of their family names anymore? It it is no guarantee that what our family has now will endure to the next and next generation. It's up to us to protect this, to study this, to know the state of it so that we can prepare and progress. Amen? And that's... uh, And that's what we're we're talking about this morning. There's I was thinking about some of the names from days gone by. And if you ever have the chance to go up to Rhode Island, in Providence, Rhode Island, they have a place there. I think they call it Mansions Row or something. But uh, anyway, they have all these mansions of all these, um, you know, pre-1900 and and around the turn of the century uh, families that lived in New York City. And they would go up to Rhode Island to get away from the heat in New York. And boy they 're just beautiful mansions there in and uh, the Vanderbilts and the ashtons and and these guys that we don't we don 't know what happened to those families, but in that day they were the the powerful and the wealthy of our day but um so not only is the wealth true, but also power. Because you see that, he asked the question here with the obvious answer, that doth the crown endure to every generation? Absolutely not. I mean, you can even look at the great King David and what happened. After Solomon, his kingdom was split and it was lost. Ten, ten of the tribes were lost, right? So no, it does not unless it be the kingdom Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that obviously will be forever. And so then we see in verse 25. It says the hay appeareth. And the tender grass showeth itself. And herbs of the mountain are gathered. Now this shows you the goodness of God. That God that hay here it doesn't appear that it's planted. It just God produced it. And it showed up in its season. And so did those herbs that were necessary. But the thing is they have a season. And what that means is during that season, it's your responsibility to utilize those, to thank God for them, for his blessings, and make the most of them because they won't last forever. Right now, this time of year, we haven't had our first frost yet, but it's already these cool nights. Grass on our place is not growing. It's still alive, but it's about to go dormant with that first frost, see? So you've got to take advantage of it. You know, they say, you know, you gotta you gotta uh you gotta grow hay when the sun shines, right? Well that's that's what this verse is basically telling us, is that God is good in that he provides opportunity for us. But there's a season for it, and you have to be prepared to take advantage of it. And uh and certainly uh we wanna be able to do that. And so then it goes to verse twenty six and The lamb are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. So obviously here, you know, lambs, they would be, the wool would be used for clothing as well as obviously you might sell and and buy some other things that you need. The goat here also certainly to not only pay maybe the usage of a field, but also to purchase more. But again, these are assets. And in our day, you know, we don't know that much about raising goats and sheep but we do have to understand this principle. And then the last verse, verse 27, And thou shalt have goat's milk, enough for thy food, and for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maiden. So, as the master of the house, what was the responsibility here? That we were to provide the needs for the house, right? And, and in what way? Well, first of all, you've got to provide for your own needs and the needs of your family. But then what else? It says uh, thy maidens. So that means those that that are under your your care. Okay, this may be employees. This may be uh, people that help you. Or it may be people in need. But in the Bible, in the New Testament, obviously tells us that we are to work in order that we might not only provide for our family, but to have some to give to those that are in need. And so, certainly Solomon... When he wrote this to these people, they understood this because that was their livelihood. You know and I mentioned you know y'all most of y'all know that we raise cattle uh, on our place and but I will say that it's really totally different because we don't depend upon that herd for our livelihood. You see, I mean, I have a job, and thank God that uh, that you know I'm not depending on The health of that herd in order to live off of. But I'll tell you, it's still a loss and you still have to pay attention because it is an asset and it is an investment. And uh, Brother Duane may remember this and and others. About a year ago, I remembered about this time, we had a cow that was extremely sick. And this was one of our um, really... Our, our prize uh, heifers. She was a young cow, three years old or so. Um, matter of fact, her name was Fancy, so I'll tell you something about, uh, and by the way, it's my wife's cow on top of that, but, uh, but she was literally on death's door, and, um, and we cared for her pretty much around the clock. I mean, uh, these three kids sitting up here and my older son uh, were all heavily involved in that, and, um, and then I had men praying, Praying for a cow, and by the grace of God, she's doing well today. She looks beautiful. I took a picture of her recently just to remind myself of what she looked like a year ago. But by God's grace and by his mercy, he preserved her. But my point is, is that really, honestly, and Samuel and I talked about this, we were negligent and let her get to the point where she did before we caught it. And so you have to be diligent because not always will God give you a second chance. And that would have mattered a whole lot more to me if I was depending upon her for our food, you see. So with that said, let's make some applications to this, to our lives and how this applies to us. Now, the most easy uh, application to make here is obviously to our work, to our job or to our business, So we are to know its state. And I'm going to ask you to to consider this in a couple of ways. Number one, how about your own self? So in other words, uh, are you uh, secure as possible in your work? And I mean secure in this way. Are you skilled? And I think that in our day and time, one thing, there is no job employment, I guess you would say, security anymore but there well let me say there's no job security there is some employment security and what that means is your job may go down but if you've got a transferable skill then somebody else somewhere else needs that skill and that talent or whatever you have so young people when you're considering what do we you know what what am i going to do with my future okay you need to be thinking about what kind of skills are uh, transferable? What kind of skills are needed and what kind of things are uh, valuable? okay? And so that's one. are we skilled? Are we valuable? Are we profitable? Uh, are we are, are we worth more than we're getting paid? that that if you are that, that that helps right there. But that doesn't mean that you're still secure because what about your company? See, so when we're working for someone else, We need to know what kind of state are they in. You know, how many people were just caught blindsided by Enron? You Remember that? Enron went down. And and because there was a lot of uh, illegal things going on behind the scenes, uh, most of the employees didn't know they were in trouble. And then they were caught just totally unprepared. If you can, know as much as you can about your industry and about your company. Is it a growing industry or is it a dying industry? Hey, how how many people remember blockbusters? Right? Anybody seen one lately? Yeah, No, they're gone. They're gone the way of the dinosaur because technology passed them up. As a matter of fact, one of the dying fields is video rental and video uh, because everything now is streamed. Right? And so... You know that's probably not an area or not a business you want to start. Matter of fact, they said that the uh, video industry has decreased eighty six percent in the last since two thousand seven. So in the last thirteen years, almost a ninety percent drop. It's crazy, right? Bookstores, you know, again, a lot of people read online now. They don't read books that much anymore. Newspapers, uh, cameras. We were talking about this yesterday. How uh, my wife used to always run around with this camera and take pictures everywhere. Now, what do we do? We got our phones, right? And so nobody's doing cameras anymore. So I, I, that, there's there's something to be said there in considering the direction that may be going. Because if you can see that, you can prepare, whether it mean a change or whether it mean um, just making the proper preparations. And these days, what do we have to think about? Well, whether we're essential or non-essential, whatever that means, right? The other thing is, too, companies change and leadership changes. And uh, I have a friend of mine uh, that I went to high school with that he worked for a welding supply company in Houston for over 20 years, and they had a booming business. And he was a manager there. He really just made a career there. And uh, the 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 man that started the company retired and gave it to his his grandson, and in six years he bankrupted. Six years, and so then my friends like, well, now what do I do? You know, he just it went down with him. So I know my dad worked for a lot of trucking industry. Uh, a lot of uh, truck lines went down with my dad. I don't know if it was his fault, honestly, but. <laughs> but a lot of uh, a lot of union truck lines went out of went out of business and um is because of changing industry and and the and not following biblical principles biblical principles okay so think about your future think about your choices with your education so but let's spend the most of our time talking about beyond our work because we have other assets that are f- far more uh important and and what about the asset? Uh before we get to that, what about the asset of our home? Most people, when they think about physical assets, the biggest investment they probably have is in their home. And I hope that we're, your home's appreciating, and I hope that uh, you are, you know, taking care of it and doing the things necessary to keep it valuable and important. And, and what about the area that you, you live in? Is that area improving? Is it decreasing? Is it, you know, a lot of things changed with the flood, didn't it? I mean, a lot of property values changed greatly with, with uh, all the flooding that we had. Uh, and that's important to know. Some of the floodplains have been redrawn, and then there's the whole southern invasion that we've got that changes uh, social economics and, and uh, demographics. And then also, of course, we have an investment in our vehicles. Those are probably our two biggest vehicles, our two biggest investments that we need to be caring to and taking care of. The Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twenty two that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So that it, it, that verse implies to me a couple of things. Number one, that there is generational thinking. I want you young people to learn to think generationally, even at your age, and certainly us that are older. We need to be thinking generationally, not just for the here and now and for myself. Uh, not even my kids, but even to their kids. That's what the Bible says about that. And it looks, it also teaches me here that, that the biblical principle is that we are looking to advance our family name. We're looking to advance our family in influence. And that means power and wealth. So why do we want to do that? Because we represent the King of Kings. We want to be able to put him before more people, to have more influence. We want to be involved more, be available to the Lord in areas to serve him. And so, do we want the Christian families to get stronger in our country? Yes or yes? You see? And we want to multiply, by the way, too. So, that's a hint for all of us that have kids in the room. Okay? So, get married and, and give us some grandkids. Right? Amen? So, um Looking to advance the family and influence is critical. So but, but here's some principles that always must be considered. Turn to Proverbs twenty two one. Proverbs twenty two one. This is the principle Go, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver. And gold. So at no point are we allowed to put position or wealth or anything above our name. And that means that our integrity, a good name. I think about my grandpa, R.D. Martin, my mom's dad, and um, uh, there's a story that we like to tell in our family, and it's completely true, actually. Uh, is that my grandmother went to their little town in Arp, Texas, and um, they just lived a few miles out of town. And that Arp was a real thriving metropolis of about 700, 600, depending on how the oil business was doing, okay? but uh, So she goes into town, and she gets whatever she needs, groceries or something, and she's heading back out of town, and evidently she's driving a little too fast, Um, and she gets... Oh, actually, I think she rolled a stop sign, but anyway, she gets pulled over, and uh, the police officer there uh, pulls her over and um, asks for um, uh, her uh, ID, and he said... um, she Well, come to find out, you know, in those days, believe it or not, you could actually go in the grocery store and put it on your account in those small towns, and so she didn't have her wallet, Brother Dwayne, unfortunately, and then he found out that she's supposed to be wearing glasses, and she didn't have her glasses on. So she's committed a violation without her license and without her driving without her glasses on. This is not shaping up good, right? And somewhere, so he finally asked her what's her name, and she tells him Johnny Mae Martin. And she said, she said, you any kin to R.D. Martin? And he, she said, yes, that's my husband. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Martin. I didn't know R.D. was your husband. He said, you get home safely. Have a great day. Now, I'm going to tell you why that happened. It's because my grandfather had a good name. He didn't have great riches or wealth, but he had a good name, you see. And he knew that that he had helped a lot of people in that area. And because of that, he, he wanted to show favor. And by the way, young people and here, again, if you're parents are godly and they are striving to do what's right, you'd be thankful for the name that you have. Amen? And you honor that name to the next generation. The second principle is in Proverbs eleven twenty eight. We won't turn there, but it says that he that trusteth in his riches shall fall. So you don't trust in your riches, you trust in the Lord. And then it says also riches profit not in the day of wrath in Proverbs 11.4. So this is, this doesn't give you favor with God. What gives you favor with God is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're, you being in Him. And then it says also, there's two other things I want to share with you that are principles that never be violated. Number one is that you never oppress the poor or the weak. And number two, you never ever jeopardize your integrity. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says that the man that walks in his integrity, his children shall be blessed. Amen. So, what about some more important assets? What about before 1900? You know what the greatest asset a family had in America was? It was their children. And the more children they had, the more wealthy they were. I would say that's not... The way we look at it today, although we should, by the way, children are a tremendous blessing of the Lord and a heritage of the Lord, and they are a completely valuable asset. What about our family? What about the condition of our family? And men, I'm going to speak to you mainly here, but it certainly applies to all the women here, uh, is that what is the soul and spirit of your family like? Do you know the state of it? Here's what I mean. Are they thriving and full of joy and peace? Are these things prevalent in their lives? These are the types of things that reflect what's going on in our soul and our spirit. Men especially, when's the last time uh, you really looked into the countenance of your wife and of your children and to see what what's going on? You know, the countenance tells us a lot. Is your wife worn out because of everything that we're expecting? How many jobs do you think the average Christian mother has? How many jobs does she have? Quite a few. I was thinking of four for my wife probably at least. Four full-time jobs, you know what I'm saying, between... What she does with our business and then in the house and the home, taking care of that, and a lot of them are educating. And I mean, it's it's tremendous, right? And you remember that in the garden when the fall happened, there were some there were some curses that were because of the fall. You remember what was the man's curse? He would have to work by the sweat of his brow, right? What was the woman's curse? That she would have pain and childbearing, right? You know any men that have had pain in childbearing? No, but how many women are suffering the curse of working by the sweat of their brow? You see, a lot of women are are, are under the both curses, and uh, and we wonder why sometimes they're worn out, and uh, why sometimes even their health is failing. So, gentlemen, especially, it's up to us to look at the, the, the soul and the spirit of our family and to know the state of our flock. Are our kids, um, are they burdened down or are they, uh, are they untrained and undisciplined and therefore they're not an asset to the rest of the family? I think there's a balance here, right? Amen? I, I will say this, I think there is a, a trap that needs to be careful about, because my kids now are getting older, and, uh, you know, Samuel and Fay started uh, college this year, and man, there's, you know, there's this uh, pressure, you know, you got to get this education, and not everybody's intended to go to college, by the way, okay, um, and, and, you know, you got to do it in a certain amount of time, and this and that, and sometimes, It can get a little bit, uh, things can get out of hand or out of focus. And I don't want that to happen in my family. I'm evaluating these things in my own life and trying to determine the state of my flock. And are we uh, where the Lord wants us to be in, in these areas? And then I want to challenge you in the area of your spiritual assets. What kind of spiritual assets you have? What about your relationship with your father? What about your relationship through with your father through prayer? How's your prayer life? What's the condition of it? How about your scripture study? You know, we're I think we we become accustomed to reading scripture, but unfortunately, we're not studying scripture and not taking the time to meditate Meditation requires time and energy. It's hard. And, uh, and study is hard. Reading is relatively easy. But studying is hard. And you need both. But you must have some time to develop your relationship. Because, you know, it's like um, somebody asked Spurgeon what was more important, uh, your prayer life or your scripture study. And he said, well, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? You know I mean, I think I think without either one, you're in trouble, right? I mean, you gotta have a both because and Brother Brent said this uh, so well, he said that you know, uh, prayers where we talk to God and scriptures where God talks to us. you know, and we need both. We need to not only be speaking, we need to be hearing as well. <clears throat> and then what about beyond our relationship? What about developing and using, Our spiritual gifts. Amen? So, did you know every saved person has a spiritual gift? Right? What is yours? Have you discovered it? How would you discover it? How would it be made known to you? A lot of times it's known by other people because they see you using it. And it's used in the church setting. So how are you involved with being a blessing to people in the church? That will give you an idea of what you're... What your uh, your gifting is. And the gifting, the the spiritual gift comes with the giver of the gift is the Holy Spirit, right? And the gift is the Holy Spirit expressing himself through us. And he expresses himself differently through different people and in different times. But are you developing those and are you using your spiritual gifts? This has been a challenging year, hasn't it? I've I've not been able to go into prison since February, and the, for the past two or three years, I've been blessed to be able to preach a lot in the prison. and uh, And what I've seen is that that unfortunately uh, has caused me to neglect some of my spiritual gift, and that I have not been preparing and studying the way that I would have been uh, if I'd had the opportunity. So prepare now you never know how God might use you in the future and believe me that in in this preparation the the reward is Jesus Christ himself and as you as he gets more of you and you get more a better relationship with him that is the reward and now lastly I'm going to challenge you here. Um, with what we started with, that what is the condition of our nation? Well, a nation is just a, a bigger example of a church or a family, that the condition of those groups is reflective of the condition of the individuals in that group. And unfortunately, that we're even having this conversation about the outcome of this election tells us that the condition, the moral condition of our nation is in grave trouble. And and we have been entrusted with a wonderful founding here that God gave us in this land. And we have those of, of us that have been born again, that have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've been entrusted with this gospel, Brother Dwayne, we've got this gospel message. And unfortunately, we're not sharing that with enough people to make an impact in our land. And, And God gave us a reprieve four years ago. That was clear, that God did that. Now, we pray he'll do that again. But the question is, really, what will we do? What will we do? Yes, we must vote. We should fast and pray for our country and for this election. But beyond that, remember that God has a plan that's bigger than the USA. You understand? He knows what's best, and I'll trust him. But we need to be ready, be prepared, and especially be faithful, no matter what, that we be faithful. So knowing the state of our flock, I pray that God will speak to our hearts, that he'll use this in a specific area of our lives, and that he'll get all the glory and honor for it. Let's close with a word of prayer. My Father, well, it's a privilege to call you our Father, and we do thank you for this wonderful country you've given us, Lord. Thank you for making us your child through the blood of your son, and Lord, we pray that we would honor him, Lord, that we would represent his name well, Lord, that we'd be faithful to you. God, help us to have discernment, Lord, especially the men here and the, the fathers, and Lord, the, the husbands, Lord, to look at our, our families, look at our assets and see their condition, Lord, and where do we need to make some improvements? Where do we need to put some time and some energy? Where do we need to invest our efforts, Father? We sure do need you, Lord. We need you in our families. We need you here in our church. And certainly we need you in our country. God, we pray for President Donald J. Trump today. Pray you bless him with, with good health, Lord, and a sound mind. Pray you surround him with wise people. Father, we do pray that you would turn back the wicked upon themselves, Lord. We pray that they would not have their way. We pray, God, you would get all the credit and all the glory and all the honor for you are worthy. It's in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray. Amen.